I am um, just taking a bit of a break from the Letting People See Jesus series for this week and next week. Um, next week is Easter, so obviously we will be letting people see Jesus, but it, we'll be jumping forward to his death, um, whereas currently we're still only in about year one of his ministry. So we, we're just going to take a break from the normal sermons for a couple of weeks. And today I just wanted to do a talk based on what we've just seen and heard about people doing life together. I really felt it was good for us to talk about church as it was in Bible times to see that it wasn't a religious, uh, formal, structured, uh, business type organization. It was a family, dynamic, moving an organism alive and real, just like a family. You know, a family is a, a place where there's loudness, there's sadness, there's noise, there's mess. Not everything is always according to plan and structured, and yet life comes out of family, real life. Life doesn't come out of businesses or organizations or structure charts. Life comes out of families. And I just wanted to show you what the church was like in the early days. And there's a passage in Romans chapter 16 where Paul is writing a letter to a church in Rome that he's never visited. I want you to please remember this. Paul has never visited this place called Rome that he's writing to. And yet he lists over 40 people that he knows there. And he talks to them in affectionate intimate terms about their lives and about who they are and what's going on. And it's like a window when we can look into the church and we can get a brilliant idea of what church can be like. And the reason I'm reading this for us today is because I want us to be as close to the early church, a family organism, as possible. You know, church has become something that's structured and formal and and not, I believe, what God intended. And so we're going to try and see, just get a glimpse of what church was really like. Is that okay? Good. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. You and me, bro. We'll just... Romans 16, verse 1. I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon on this. You know, it's like one of those lists of names in the Old Testament, one of those genealogy lists, where we think, oh, there's nothing in that for me. We read them and we just skip over it. So-and-so begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so, let's skip over that. But actually there's some beautiful truths in this passage. I'm going to read it through and then I'll go through it bit by bit. He says, Romans 16, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Kentria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Just notice as I'm reading how many women are mentioned here. Okay, so we got Phoebe. Verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise... Greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, 
my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And then he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Cortus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. If you were writing a list of church history, of great people in the church, who would be on your list? If you looked in the history books and you said, I want to find out about the churches in the first century in Rome. I want to find out about it. Who do you think the historians would list? The normal worldly protocol and format is to list the important leaders, isn't it? The ones who are up front and have positions and titles. But I want to say to you that God in His Word because these names are written in his word, has listed the simple folk. That is wonderful. I'm so encouraged by that. You know, when we get to heaven, I don't think that the preachers and the reverends and the reverend honorary doctors of Bibleism are going to be up there on the pedestals. I don't think that. I think it's going to be little old Julia who makes coffee without anybody knowing. I think it's going to be the lady who prays at three in the morning and nobody has a clue. I think it's going to be the people who serve each other in loving family relationships who are going to be up there with crowns on their heads. You know, it says we're going to get crowns when we get to heaven and some will get more crowns than others, but then it says, and then we cast our crowns before the feet of Jesus. I love that picture. So, little old Mary, who's done service for the saints for many years, comes to heaven. Nobody recognizes her except Jesus. And he says, Mary.
Mary, here's a million crowns. And she's just got all these crowns. And she just casts them before the Lord and gives them to his throne. Isn't that a wonderful picture? So as I was saying, God in his word has written a list of the history of the church. The Bible says, the grass may wither, the flowers may fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. These people's names, these people who are never mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, their names are written forever in his word and in heaven. And your names are written in heaven, my brothers and sisters. Your names. You're the important ones. You know, I got here at Hopper State this morning. And there were several people who'd been here already for more than half an hour setting up all this kit. That's amazing. They don't want any recognition. They don't want a title. They don't want everyone to say, look how great I am. In fact, they'd be embarrassed if I said their names now. And they do that every week. And they're willing to come in the middle of the week and set up and work and try and, you know, do the difficult things like change the batteries and the equipment and find out why this cable doesn't work and lug a heavy speaker up and all the stuff that people do. Set up the chairs and do the work and, and all these things. These little groups, you say, oh, that's not, a, that's not a spiritual thing to go and do Christian aerobics. It is a spiritual thing because it's real life. Christianity is not about formats and formulas, rituals and creeds and reciting things. It's about family relationships. That is real Christian. That is the church that God sees. We, with our human eyes, see a structure and a, a title and a position. God sees family relationships. And the least is the greatest. Whoever wants to be great among you, he says, should be the servant of all. So let's look here. He says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who was a servant of the church in Kentria. Basically, this lady Phoebe brought the letter to the Roman church. She was living in Corinth with Paul, not with him, but in Corinth, you know, in the same city. And he said, Phoebe, would you mind taking this letter to the Roman church? She said, sure. And he says, I commend to you Phoebe. She's a servant. That word is translated minister in other places or deaconess in other places. She's a, a minister, a servant. Why? Well, she delivered a letter. <laughs> it was a faithful task of ministry to go and deliver a letter somewhere. He says about her, receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, assist her in whatever business she has need, for indeed she has been a helper of many and myself also. Wow, she's great. Put her on a pedestal because she's a helper. Awesome. Phoebe, a woman. And understand in these days, women had no rights. Women in, in Bible times had no rights except in the Christian church where they were elevated greatly. In Christ, there is no male or female, slave or free, Jew or Greek. In Jesus revolutionized the way the society looked at women. Let's read on. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. This was a couple who had lived in Rome, and they'd been kicked out of Rome because they were Christians. They moved to Corinth, and when they were in Corinth, they met Paul, and they were tent makers. They were just working in their business 
Paul was also a tent maker, so he worked with them. And then they went to Ephesus and set up a tent making business so that later Paul could come and work there and plant the church in Ephesus. He loved and knew these people because he'd worked in their tent making business with them and they'd planted churches in several different cities. And now they were back in Rome leading a church in their home and making tents. Business people. He says, these people are great. Listen to what he says. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They weren't apostles. They weren't preachers. They weren't upfront people. They weren't worship leaders. They weren't any of that stuff. They were just business people who facilitated and helped the church in whatever way they could. He says, they're my fellow workers. They risked their own necks for my life. I don't know exactly what they did, but they risked their lives. They put themselves in a position where they could have been killed just to save Paul at at some stage in his life. Not only I give thanks to them, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Basically, he's saying that their little contribution of setting up businesses and supporting the church as it grew was responsible for the growth of all the churches of the Gentiles. He put such an importance on what they did, and they were business people. Are you getting my heart on this one? It's a big deal, folks. It's a big deal. It's not about the platform and the lights and, hey, I'm a fancy preacher, man. Those guys get to heaven and maybe got half a crown. And that's what the dentist put on their tooth. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Priscilla and Aquila, everywhere they went, they opened their home to host a church. Churches were in homes. They weren't in fancy places. They were in homes. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Basically, when he says the first fruits of Achaia to Christ, he's saying, when I entered the region of Achaia, which is Corinth and that area, the first member of my church, the first convert, the first guy who gave his life to the Lord was Epinetus. And now he's moved back to Rome. And Paul says, I remember you. You were the first guy. When there was no church, when there was no great worship team, when there was no big movement that you could join, you said, I want to be part of this church. There's a lady who's not here today. whose name's Brenda D'Olivera. When we came to Jersey, she and one other lady called Dawn were the, the first fruits of Jersey to Christ for us. And I honor them. <laughs> The courage it takes to join something when there's nothing. And Jeff and Mao and Angela and Yvette, many of you guys here, Pat, Phil, many of you came when there was five of us on a Saturday night in a grungy little meeting room. There was no good, wonderful meeting church, but you said, you know what, we're here, we're in. It's not about how much we get entertained. We're willing to serve. He says those people need to be honored, the first fruits. Wow. That's, that's a pedestal job. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. I don't know what Mary did. I don't know what, she, what her labor was, but Paul says she is worthy of being added to this list. Important lady, Mary. She labored. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen, and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. There was a couple, a husband and wife, called Andronicus and Junia. And get your head around this one. 
He says they are noteworthy apostles. They are noteworthy apostles. <laughs> what? I thought Peter was the noteworthy apostle in Rome, wasn't he? Wasn't Peter the, the Pope of Rome? No, no. The noteworthy apostles in Rome were Andronicus and Junia, who we never hear of anywhere else in the Bible. Anonymous, and yet in God's eyes, huge. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Not that he worked hard. Not that there's anything great about him. He doesn't have degrees or reverends or titles or whatever. Paul just loves this guy. <laughs> He's my buddy. We have, we have coffee or coke or we watch TV together or we... We chat about stuff. We're friends. We go for walks. We do cross-stitching. Whatever it is. This is real church. It's not the lights and the fancy. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Same thing. Worker and Stachys, my beloved, my buddy. I've got a bromance going on with this guy. We're friends. There's a group of churches that I'm friendly with, and they've got a saying that they say all the time. They say, friendship before function. Friendship before function. I love that. And it's not just before function, it's during function and after function. Friendship first. Friendship you say, but that doesn't sound very spiritual and religious. Surely I, I join the organization and I comply with all the, the requirements. No, no, we're buddies. Where was I? Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. You know what approved in Christ means? Approved means tested and tried and found approved. Stamp of approval. Approved in Christ. Means he's gone through a whole lot of tests and he's come out approved on the other side. Approved. Approved. He's, he's shown himself to be faithful. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. And then the next verse. Greet Herodian, my countrymen, and those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. I don't know what this means. He says those who are of the household of Aristobulus, those who are of the household of Narcissus. It might mean family members, or it might mean their kind of church that meets in their house. But we're getting a glimpse, we're getting an insight into what the church was like in Rome. There were these little, they were a united church, but there were little groups within that that grew up where Aristobulus was doing something and Narcissus was doing something. And later on, we're going to see another little team of four or five people who, who are doing ministry. And yet they're all in the same flow. We're going the same direction, but we're doing this. I'm doing this ministry. You're doing this. We're doing little things, little groups, but part of a bigger whole. I'm going to move on quickly now. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Those are two ladies who I think are sisters. And he says they labored in the Lord. It's, fun, uh, it's quite an unusual name, Tryphena and, and Tryphosa. Maybe it was common in those days, I don't know. But their, their parents said, we've got two daughters, let's call them Tryphena and Tryphosa. <laughs> it's unusual. 
Hey, try. Yes, mom. Yes, mom. No, no, not you tried. You tried. Trifona, not trifisa. It was just. And he says, these sisters decided we're going to serve the Lord together. Greet my beloved Persis, who labored in the Lord. This is a lady. Persis is a lady's name from Persia. She was a foreigner. She was not part of the, the Roman race or the Jewish race or the Greek race. She was a Persian. She was from far away. And she got involved. She said, I don't care that I'm of a different cultural background. I'm going to get stuck in. I'm going to serve the Lord in Rome. And Paul says, greet my beloved Persis. He loves this lady. There's something special about her. Now, I love this next one. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Let me just start with his mother and mine. Rufus's mother had become a mother figure to Paul. I love this. Somebody in the church, an older lady, said, Big great apostle Paul, come and sit here at my table and let's just have a mum to son kind of chat. What do you need? Do you need something done? Do you need your socks donned? Do you need, do you need some food? You're looking a bit skinny there, whatever. She was motherly towards him and he mentions her. He says, Rufus, your mum is my mum. I'm traveling all around the world, planting churches. I'm this great apostle, but you know what? I've got a mom who lives in Rome, and, and it's Rufus's mom. Fantastic. That's church. Rufus is fascinating. You know, the man who lifted Jesus' cross when Jesus was going up the hill to Cal Calvary, to Calgary to get um, crucified, it says he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And most scholars believe that it's this Rufus. Amazing. This family was quite amazing. The mum was a mother to Paul. Rufus was the son of the man who carried Jesus' cross. And Paul says that he's chosen in the Lord. That means something happened in Rufus's life where everybody knew this guy's got a calling on his life. He's chosen by the Lord. He hasn't just decided I'm going to do something for God. God has given him a, a commission. He's chosen in the Lord, this Rufus guy. He's special. There's something big for him to do. Greet, now this is the little group. Listen to this. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, and Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. There was this little group of five guys who said, we're going to form a little group. I don't know what they did, but I got a feeling they were house church planting people. They said, us five, we're going to get together. You're good at teaching. You're good at music. You're good at prophetic stuff. You're good at worship. Right, we're going to do this. We're going to get little groups going in people's homes, and then we'll move on to the next and the next. He says, they're a little team. Greet them and the brethren who are with them. Are you getting a picture of what church can be like here? Some of us get together. We say, let's do this ministry together. Yeah, and we go for it. I like it. Verse 15, Greet Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, Olympus and the saints who are with them. Again, another team doing something. And they're part of the church and they're moving on the same track. And they're going along and Paul says, go for it. And then I'm just going to go on and close now by the people who are with Paul in Corinth. He, remember he was writing to Rome, but he, he talks about eight people who are with him. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. 
These are people in Corinth with Paul. Paul says, these guys are greeting you in Rome. We're with you. We're far apart. We don't see each other very much, but we're united in a common purpose. Then the next verse is interesting. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. <laughs> he was an admin guy. He wrote down what Paul said. He, he was like the lady who takes dictation or whatever. He was an, a scribe. He just Paul would talk and Tertius would write and that letter got sent. Tertius, in, in our modern day and language, he would be an admin type person. You know, the person who counts the money or organizes the mailing or something admin related and he was important and he's mentioned in the word of God forever he's on the list he's important he's got a place Gaius my host and the host of the whole church greets you this guy's job was hosting people hey come run to my place Paul you want a place to stay come Whole church, you want a place to have a barbecue? Come. Anyone need anything? Come to my place. He was, his job in the church was the host. He just loved looking after people. Imagine being called the host of the whole church. They believed there were over 50,000 people in the church in Corinth. And he was the host of them all. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. In other words, there were some fairly important people. This guy was like the minister of finance. He was an important man. And Cortus, a brother, greets you. Right, I'm going to close now. Just a few points. Number one, the volume of people, the number of people. There were at least 47 people, maybe more, mentioned here. Ministry was not about a one-man band. It was everybody shared the ministry. Amen? Amen. Everyone. Number two, Paul knew what was going on there. Even though they were separated by quite a distance, they didn't have email and internet and telephone, but he knew what was going on. They kept in touch. They sent messages back to Paul. They said, this is what's happening. What about this? Pray for this. They were in touch with each other. There was a link. There was communication. Awesome. We need to do that. We need to communicate. Um. And yeah, as much, the more communication, the better. Just even a quick little message, a note, please pray for this, I'm struggling with this, this is going well, this is going badly. Communication, we need to know what's going on so we can pray for each other. Number three, ministry includes all types of work, hosting, mothering, menial labor, admin, whatever, it's all part of ministry. There is no ministry, clergy, and then the others, we are all ministers in whatever way we serve in the family. Awesome. Next one, lots of women involved. Well done, ladies. Next one, affection and love, relationships and friendship. Fantastic. Next one, they seem to be united in a task. They were all doing different things. Some of them were doing this and that and whatever, but they all knew their task was to build the church. They all had a, a, a big stream that they were all flowing along in. Fantastic. Next one, they would not have seen each other very much, and yet there's a close bond. Unity and love and family and closeness doesn't mean that we have to see each other or be living in the same proximity. We can be in different countries and not see each other for a long time, and yet the bond in the body of Christ is as close as ever. We don't have to be 
touching each other and close all the time, and yet the love is there as long as we're communicating. Um, they traveled and ordered their lives and their business for the ministry. They put the ministry first. The fact that there were so many people who Paul knew in Rome, even though he'd never visited Rome, means all these people had traveled there. There was a lot of traveling. Basically, they were saying, I'm willing to put the kingdom and the church and growing God's kingdom before my own personal agenda in life. If I have to travel to Rome, Corinth to help plant, whatever, I'll do that. That's hugely challenging for us. Right. Um, let's, let's pray together.